What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today we're going to be talking about trolls and Doctor Strange. I'm going to forgo the typical what I've been watching type of segment, um, as I have done with previous reviews, but I'm going to replace it with just a brief review of Trolls, because that also came out this weekend, and is projected to be doing quite nicely at the box office, and it's kind of the first animated film we've had in the last few weeks um, since Troll, or not since Troll, since Storks came out, but the main review will focus on Doctor Strange, so let's, let's just dive right in, shall we? Uh, I went and saw Trolls uh, preview night on Thursday. It is now Saturday morning when I'm recording this. And, well, I don't have any connection to Trolls from when I was a kid. There's no nostalgia to tap into for me here. Uh, it's just kind of, I don't know, it... It's like the Smurfs. I don't have any connection to the Smurfs either. And I I just... So my overall impression of the movie before I started watching it was... It's been a while since we've had a a decent animated musical. Um, I'm trying to think when the last one was. Because it couldn't have been Frozen, could it? It might, it might have been Frozen, now that I think about it. Uh, but Trolls is a musical, and I like musicals quite a bit. And so I was kind of looking forward to this. I think I like Anna Kendrick. Uh, you know, I think Justin Timberlake's fine. I like Zoe Deschanel. I like Christine Baranski, James Corden. Um, you know, and then a, a whole host of uh, smaller bit players that pop up here and there throughout the film and the first mm, 10 15 minutes or so I actually was really I was really enjoying the movie you know there were like two original songs you know they the movie creates this interesting world and it's so colorful but then it's also dark and drab when you're with the Borgans but <clears throat> Then we start to get into, um, I mean, the, the plot's incredibly straightforward. You know, there's nothing surprising about it. But what really started to to frustrate me was that they incorporated original songs, but also not original songs. You know, like, they used Celebration, um... I think it's Clint Eastwood by the gorilla by Gorillas, um, the "Sunshine in a Bag" song that I used to think was titled "Sunshine in a Bag," but it's actually not. I think it's titled Clint Eastwood uh, and "True Colors." 
is like the heartfelt song that uplifts everyone's spirits. You know, it's it's nice and all. But uh, those songs really did not play well for me. I thought they were very frustrating. Um, but the original songs I quite enjoyed, and that's what I want most most of the time when I'm watching a musical. I want original songs written for the musical that are specific to the musical. You know, the some of the best musicals are the ones that have these original songs, and they don't have to necessarily deal with subject matter specific to the movie. You know, you can have a circle of life, which is a beautiful song, and it definitely ties into The Lion King quite specifically, but, you know, it doesn't have to. Like, that could have just come out as an Elton John song, and probably would have gone over pretty well, maybe not quite as well, but still would have been a probably well-regarded song. I have to, I have to believe that anyway. So it was kind of disappointing when the songs shifted over to a half original, half classics um, situation. But I am interested to, you know, find the original songs and listen to them outside of the movie where I can focus purely on the songs themselves because I did find them very interesting and most of them are sung by Anna Kendrick who I think is adorable and that's great. Um, there's also... So the it's DreamWorks which did Shrek and it mimics the storybook opening that Shrek did oh so many years ago and it also it tells you a lot of facts right off the bat. You know, the trolls are singing and dancing and they're colorful and they're happy and they party. Whereas the Borgans are depressed, sad, dull, gray. They can't sing. They can't dance. They don't party. And they're only happy when they eat trolls. And that's the driving force behind the plot. But they say that the Borgans can't sing. They, they actually say that come out and say it directly to you, Borgans can't sing. And then there's a little animation in the book where there's two Borgans and they open their mouth and crooked notes come out of their mouth and it's basically just them yelling, which is fine. I'm fine with that. If it wasn't just a blatant lie, there's like three songs sung by Borgans throughout the movie. Three. And while the gorilla song is very much a more of a spoken thing, you know, and I was, I was able to give, I, I could have given that one a pass, but then when one of the Borgans is voiced by Zoe Deschanel, and she's singing beautifully, uh, very frustrating, and, and just, uh, like, I, if it is a lie, there's not enough evidence there to support it being a lie. It doesn't come from a character who isn't sincere and would lie about something like that. It doesn't come from a character who wouldn't know whether or not it's true. And so that's that's pretty frustrating as well. Um, As far as the voice acting, you know, Anna Kendrick is great. I think, you know, I would... I don't think there's any musical where she wouldn't feel... I don't think there's any musical where... 
I don't think there's any musical where she would feel out of place. And, you know, she's really well cast in this. She's basically, if, she's basically like the Leslie Nope of trolls, if that makes any sense. And the movie is so vibrant and colorful for about 85% of it. And it's, I mean, it's really pretty to look at, but it doesn't add anything. Um, but I did appreciate that the atmosphere and like she encounters like all these random creatures throughout her trip throughout the adventure and you know they're kind of modeled off of things in real life like they have spider type things but they're not really spiders because they only have four eyes even and like there are all these different weird creatures that are slightly altered versions of real things and that's interesting like that's cool i like that uh and then justin timberlake as the as branch man i i was kind of let down justin timberlake is too much of a good person and he was not able to convincing or well to convince me anyway that branch was as sour and um, solitary as he claims to be and yes obviously the point of this character is to ultimately uh, blossom by the end of the movie and become one with everyone and be happy but to get to that but for that to matter he has to be legitimately secluded and shut off from everyone else at the beginning and he's not he just isn't and and you know I think the writing in it is fine. I just don't think Justin Timberlake's voice conveys enough get-off-my-lawn personality, you know? He tries, and it's, you know... I, I mean, I'm sure there are many people who would have done a worse job, but I believe that there were plenty of people that could have done a better job. Uh, you know, and I'm sure there might even be someone who sounds close enough to Justin Timberlake that could have done that role and then still had Timberlake sing do the singing voice if they wanted to go that route but I I don't know I don't know if I don't know what Timberlake's history as a voice actor is uh, let me see I'm, I'm not recalling any other roles that he's had as just a voice actor but he might have he might have let me see voice mm. oh wait this is not acting this is oh wait this is oh, this is soundtrack credits we want acting credits uh oh he was he was boo boo in the yogi bear movie oh he was in shrek the third there's the dreamworks connection I don't remember him singing. He's only his character was named Artie, who sounds very minor, for sure. Um, uh, maybe not so. Oh, he was like um, uh, Merlin's apprentice guy. Can't imagine he ever sang in the movie. So, I don't know. I don't know. If voice acting is is Justin Timberlake's calling, as it were. Um, what else? Uh. 
I mean, without like spoiling it too much, and not that there's much to spoil because um, it is, you know, a kids' movie. It is very by the numbers. It doesn't take too many chances. You know, it does. <laughs> I guess no, it doesn't. Like it, I was about to kind of say, it, it wraps up itself in an interesting way at the end, but it really doesn't when you consider that it's a kids' movie, and as much as we want our kids movies to be like Pixar movies where you know they're very thoughtful thought provoking they have a they and they have an audience and they're they're geared toward not just young audiences but they can appeal to teenage young adult and even middle-aged and older adult audiences as well this does not play well outside of young the young kid audience if it even plays well to them which it appears to be doing so based on the box office and marketing and things like that i'm not looking forward to a sequel if they're going to make one i don't know if they're working on it i'm sure if the if they get a big enough returns on it that it'll probably happen uh, but i'm you know, and then they're like, there's like a trailer for Smurfs 3 before this movie, which I'm also not interested in. You know, the the kind of, the, the non-Disney, non-Pixar, like smaller studio animated film that I actually really liked and would love to see a sequel of was Nomeo and Juliet, which I thought was just adorable and really cute. And this was... Definitely adorable and cute, but Nomeo and Juliet also, it was just so strange that, and like the world it was inhabiting was supposed to be our world, but like clearly wasn't. And I just found it really a refreshing take in that way. Whereas this is just more of the same, you know, maybe if all the songs have been original, maybe if. Branch's character had a little bit better voice acting. Maybe if the plot wasn't so freaking straightforward, it would have gone over better with me personally. It seems to be going over pretty average with most people. Critics are a little bit higher on it than the average person. But, I mean, it is what it is. It's it's an animated kids movie that's coming out at just the right time to hit a good solid starving market for that type of thing so that's trolls and there's there's not much else to it it i ended up uh i i liked it I, so secret life of pets which came out earlier this year i gave a 50 i thought it was perfectly average perfectly and this is a little bit better than that um I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe I gave this uh, a 54. Um, I think it's somewhere in the mid-50s. 50... No, no, I'm sorry. I do remember it was a 56 because I remember Anna Kendrick was also in The Accountant, which I gave a 58, and this was two points behind that, so this is a 56, um, which is fine. You know, it's not a movie that I would that I hated watching, but it just didn't, it wasn't exciting. That's pretty much all it was for me. So, that done, 
let us move on to probably the real reason you're listening to this episode and perhaps have even skipped ahead to this point and that's Doctor Strange the latest entry in the MCU series of films starring the internet's boyfriend Benedict Cumberbatch as well as Tilda Swinton, Mads Mikkelsen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rachel McAdams, and a couple of others who... And that's kind of it. They they went real light on budget for acting, I think. I don't... I can't imagine Cumberbatch can, can uh, afford to be um, expensive as an actor, so I feel like they're acting... Budget was pretty small, uh, which makes sense when you look at the when you see the movie because the visuals are stunning, stunning. Now, before I really get into this, I will say I did not watch any trailers for this movie. I did not see any promotional material. About the only exposure I had to it was the poster that I'd seen, and. Um, I think I may have heard the trailer at one point while I was in the theater before a different movie, but I wasn't watching it. So like I only heard and like most of what I was hearing was just monologue over top of action sounds. So I really went in almost perfectly cold to this movie. And I think that served me really well. Because I've watched the trailers since then, and they really give away a lot. They reveal so much about so many things. They show so many of the incredible visual cues that happen throughout the movie that I was blown away with when I was experiencing it firsthand. And would have felt almost... Wouldn't wouldn't have been as, as exciting if I had already known that they were coming ahead of time. You know, I'd obviously I'd heard the buzz that the visual effects were impressive, but I didn't know to what degree and in what way they were going to be impressive, and so that was really exciting to see. Um, so the movie itself is Marvel. You know, it does a lot of what Marvel does really well. Firstly, it's like incredibly cast. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch plays a great Stephen Strange. You know, actually, I loved Rachel Adams uh, as the love interest, co-worker, person, uh, sidekick, like like pedestrian sidekick. Uh, Chuel Ejiofor was fantastic, too. Um, I didn't know what his character, who his character was before the movie, like I did with most of the other casting choices, but um, I really grew to like him. Uh, by the end of it especially uh, Tilda Swinton you know other you know moving past all the whitewash controversy and just analyzing her performance in the role I think it's really strong I don't read any of the comics so I don't have any connection to the ancient one as anything specific and I thought that she played it really well. I think she's a fantastic actor. I think the androgynous aspect of her person really benefits her role quite a bit. Um, somehow she pulls off being bald uh, impeccably. 
and the action scenes that she's in are just great. And obviously, I think, you know, she's probably not the one actually doing the things, but it still looks really exciting when she's doing it. Um, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, shoot. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> um, let me see. Doctor Strange. He was... He's the villain kind of kind of guy who he's like a former pupil of the Ancient One of Tilda Swinton's. And he his character's name is Caecilius. 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 Um, you know, again, it's a Marvel movie and there's no Loki. So the villain is kind of meh. Uh, you know, Mads is a good actor and does a lot with the character but the writing just isn't there for him. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have enough dimensions to him. That's constantly been their issue. Um, and, and it doesn't seem to be changing. And it does, you know, I don't know how much longer they can go before, you know, I don't know how many more villains they can kind of ruin without by not having them characterized in any complete way uh, and uh, yeah that's pretty much the main cast I think they're all strong I like them a lot and yeah so the story is that um, good guy Benedict or a good guy asshole Benedict Cumberbatch is Dr. House and gets in a car accident his hands are hurt he has to go figure out a way to fix them he can't and then he finds this guy paid, played by Benjamin Bratt who was paralyzed from ooh, the neck down and now walks and he remarks that it's an impossible it's an impossible feat finds the guy, the guy leads him to this, like, uh, oh, Kathmandu area where he runs into Chuero Ejiofor, who leads him to the Ancient One, you know, montage, he becomes a magician, he becomes Doctor Strange, sorcerer of whatever, and then conflict. Like, that's pretty much the general sequence of the movie. And for the most part, you know, it doesn't, the plot itself doesn't do anything interesting. Uh, but what I, it, you know, but like, like I've mentioned a couple of times already, the visuals are really the highlight. They are like Inception turned up to 11, which is what I write in my, wrote in my letterboxed review, I think. Yeah, you know, the... You know, they, they, the movie introduces a lot of different planes of, of being, the astral plane, the mirror plane, the dark plane, and the movie does a really good job of making all of them feel interesting and unique and different from the real world. And, and it definitely showcases the way that they're interacting with each other and how being in one plane as opposed to a different one affects each person affects the surroundings of them and can be used to um, 
and can be used for and against someone positive and negatively. Uh, which I thought was really good. I love that. That was fantastic. Um, the humor, plenty of humor. It is an MCU movie, a lot of very quippy. Uh, it doesn't always land perfectly. Sometimes it's a little forced. Um, uh, you know, uh, the... the I, I don't want to... I can't really remember anything specific off the top of my head, but, um, you know, just Cumberbatch's delivery is quite good, his humor is fantastic, um, the, the, the scene from the trailer where, uh, Cassilius is, you know, says Mr. and waits for his name, and, and Cumberbatch corrects him, no, doctor, He's like, Doctor. And he's like, Mr. Doctor. <laughs> that was really funny. It plays out really well in the movie. Um, there's a running joke between uh, Cumberbatch and, and Benedict Wong, who plays the librarian of uh, the sorcerers. And that I thought was really funny as well. The third beat of that didn't hit me quite well. I didn't appreciate it as much. I think it was the third beat, the third of the, the last one, it happens like right after the finale, that was kind of, it didn't land as well as I think it should have, but the humor is pretty strong, uh, as far as, uh, just speaking to like Doctor Strange himself, you know, he, he starts out as a doctor, he transitions into a, a sorcerer. You know, he by the end of the movie, he's incredibly powerful. Uh, I would say definitely more powerful than everyone, except you know he's probably at least on par with Thor, if not more powerful than Thor, as far as I can tell. You know, he's obviously got plenty of weaknesses. That are you know definitely highlighted throughout the movie, but he, but if he's able to like actually do anything, I I don't know how the people the characters that we've been introduced to so far, other than Thor, other than Thanos, can really stop him if they wanted to, if or if they had to. So that's that's actually I like that. I wish that the movie had done a better job of getting us to that point because eventually we're just kind of supposed to believe that he's made all this progress. There isn't really a montage. There doesn't, there's not enough of a training exposition. You know, it's too, it's, it's, we're not given enough evidence of him becoming this powerful, but if he is as powerful as we're supposed to believe he is, that's actually interesting. I I'm I hate that all the Avengers are like on on an even playing field. Hawkeye and Iron Man should not be able to fight each other to like a draw. You know, um Captain America and Thor should not be able to fight each other to a draw. It just it shouldn't happen. And hopefully when Strange is added into other Marvel films that aren't just about him he won't be 
you know, shackled by the writing of the movie to be weaker than he actually is because he's incredibly smart. He's a gifted hand-to-hand fighter. He has incredibly powerful magic. And, you know, he's a, like, two-time doctorate scientist. So, you know, he's got more than enough credibility and weight behind him in that regard. Uh, But the one thing that really stuck out to me was that, you know, this is, like, I think the 14th feature-length Marvel film, and the third new character, new property introduced to us since Avengers. So two years ago, we had Guardians of the Galaxy. Last year, we had Ant-Man. This year, we have Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange bucked a trend that the previous two films uh, adhered to, and I don't like this change. So in Guardians of the Galaxy, we're finally leaving Earth and slash Asgard, and we're out in space, and while this feels like it would be a film completely removed from every other Avengers and Marvel film that we've seen up to this point, it's still connected to those because we've already been introduced to Thanos. We know that he's a big bad that's coming up soon, and Ronan is like a direct... Um, directly beneath Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy. He, we see Thanos for the first time in a scene that isn't a credit scene in Guardians of the Galaxy. And so while most of what happens, and so while everything that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't even touch on any of the other Avengers, any of the pre-established characters except for Thanos, because it does attach itself to Thanos and directly deal with an Infinity Stone we are connected to the greater MCU, and I think Guardians of the Galaxy is made all the better for that. Then with Ant-Man, while there is no Infinity Stone in this movie, in Ant-Man, Ant-Man, him, you know, uh, Scott Lang, goes, has to infiltrate the Avengers uh, facilities, he ends up fighting with Falcon, and while... And like that, just that one interaction, you know, it's part of the plot. It's incredibly exciting to see somebody else we know interacting with this new character. And I think it makes Ant-Man all the better for it. You know, we have this new story about this new character and this new technology, this new villain in this new place with all, you know, under this new property, but he's associating with a character from predominantly from the Captain America movies. And that helps us stay on track. We know where we're at. We know what we're dealing with. We see this as just another piece of the puzzle. And it's not that I think every Marvel film has to play a huge role down the line, but I think we've gotten to a point now where it is so established that all of these movies are interconnected, that to not play on this aspect is doing them a disservice. So when we get to Doctor Strange, he lives in New York. A lot of the movie takes place in New York. We don't see any character that we previously knew. 
in the actual film of actual feature part of the film. There's no reference to Thanos. There's no uh, allusion to any of the characters in this movie knowing any of the other characters uh, previously known to be in the MCU. And the only tie-in we get is at the very end of the movie when Benedict Wong's character mentions to Cumberbatch, not mentions to Doctor Strange, that he's been wearing an Infinity Stone around his neck for the whole movie. Well, for half of the movie. And that's great and all, but that doesn't, like, because Doctor Strange's response is just like, a what? And he's like, it's an Infinity Stone. There's so much more you have to learn. Which is fine, and I don't think that that interaction is in itself a bad one, but the fact that they don't, and like this isn't even the part where it would need to be the connect, where the connection needs to happen. But the fact that there is no connection between this movie and any of the other MCU films, besides that very tertiary connection of there just being an Infinity Stone, uh, is incredibly disappointing. You know, one of the biggest draws for me, I don't know about everyone else, um, about the MCU is the continuity of it all. You know, that's what I love about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it interacted with Winter Soldier. That was incredible. Uh, You know, or the Netflix shows, how they, you know, how Rosaria Dawson flirts between all of the movie, all of the shows kind of interweaving herself and how they'll reference each other and things like that. Um, So for the only time for that to happen in Doctor Strange to be in the first end credit scene was like that was my favorite part of the movie was that first end credit scene like that's where I finally felt oh okay shit's getting real that's what I want and I know you have to have the build-up I know you have to have the origin story I know that you can't just jump in with Doctor Strange being a Sorcerer Supreme or anything like that and that's fine, but like, you know, considering how many people have worked on Marvel films in the last 10 years or so since they started production on Iron Man, there had to have been a way to do that with this movie without it feeling cheap, without it feeling like a plug, you know, in, uh, you know, like when Loki turns into Captain America in Thor the Dark World. Like, I love that. That's fantastic. That like that makes me really excited when I'm watching that scene. And, you know, having something along those lines in this movie, even something small, just some sort of, you know, callback or anything would have been very appreciated for me. So, I think, so, final thoughts. Doctor Strange is a very good film, on its own, by itself. It could have been a great film. It adheres far too closely to the typical Marvel formula. It uh, skips a lot of character development in the middle of the movie, particularly for Doctor Strange. 
for me, it ultimately falls between Civil War and Captain America the First Avenger. I think it's slightly worse than Civil War, which I gave a 79, and I think it's slightly better than the First Avenger, which I gave a 74. Uh, so Doctor Strange fills in with a 76, uh, which is, you know, it's a very high rating, it's a very good rating, and I don't begrudge it that at all, but when you, you know, and, you know, I don't know how uh, separated from the rest of the, opi <laughs> the opinion on this movie I am, but I think while watching it, all I could feel, like, one of the biggest feelings I had was just, this could have been so much better, and that's disappointing. Um, but I think that if I had seen the trailers for this before watching it, it probably would have ended up a bit, quite a bit lower, probably in the 60s for me, because it would have given away so much of what, what I loved about the movie, which were the effects, and... Uh, the action scenes. There were some very good action scenes in this as well. So that's my review of Doctor Strange and my review of Trolls. Thank you for listening. Tune in tomorrow when I will be releasing the statistics episode featuring Doctor Strange and a second topic to be determined between now and then. So thank you again. This has been the Circle of Film podcast. You can find me at circleoffilm.com, at letterboxd.com uh, slash stranger, S-T-R-A-N-G-A-H, or email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. So